Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Psychovertical Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Uh, it's been a long time since <laughs> this podcast. I can't remember how to do anything. I'm like, I've had to go on YouTube and try and remember how to do all the sounds and everything. So this might be rubbish. It might just be coming out of one ear or or out of my arse or something. I don't really know. So I do apologise. I think it's a. I think it's part of getting older. Uh, like recent, like I. So I finally finished the the book, the down book, and uh, more about more about that in a minute. So in this in down, there's like three hundred and twenty illustrations. So I had to do like all these stupid illustrations, which would have taken me like an afternoon if I'd just taken a photograph. But anyway, all these illustrations, and there's a there's an effect where you do an illustration where you create like a black outline around certain parts of it well you have a black outline and a white outline so it makes it sort of stand out a bit like a a sticker and you know i was like doing this like for like over a year doing these bloody bloody drawings and then uh you know you're just like you know you 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 know you it's like a process you know you like highlight it then you group it and then you you know you create an outline and then you you know all this kind there's like a there's like a thing so you could do it in your sleep and then, then recently, I was I was doing another illustration for something, and I was like, "Oh, I'll, now I'll do I'll, I'll do the out, outline." And I was like, "Oh, God, I can't remember how to do it." I started doing it, and I was like, "It's not anyway." So uh, I suddenly had this like really horrible feeling about I was going I was going senior like early early onset or maybe not that early onset dementia or something. But um, I think I've actually just got one of those. Um, I like to tell myself I've got a brain. Where is it like a is it working memory? You've got some sort of work. I don't really know anything about computers, but I know that I've got a kind of brain where, um, like if someone asks me to remember a telephone number, it's like you open like every window at the same time and loads of porn pop ups. Like, if you want to remove this, send me like 10,000 euros to this to you know this man in Uganda or somewhere. So, um, so my brain is a little bit like that. So maybe my um, working memory uh, is very poor. So I can't, I can't hold the, you know, that memory. I can remember like the, you know, like I can remember like the, the, the German, the German army in the Second World War had like an eighty-eight millimeter, you know, shell. But I can't remember how to do this other thing. So some things go in another part of your memory, and other things don't. So. Uh, yeah, so, um, so, so <laughs> um, yeah, so I should, I should keep, should, uh, I've not been, I've not done a podcast for quite a long time, like a few months, like months and months and months, various reasons, eh, I just couldn't, it couldn't be asked, and there just seemed to be like so much content out there, like luckily people have started, you know, they've either like topped themselves or they've gone back to work or something or they've just got bored, um, like that's the the world of creating free shit is a bit like in the past people would often say like I remember like a an editor of a magazine was like oh god I've you know I've met there's been so many great photographers climbing photographers uh, but none of them ever last I'm like yeah because you don't fucking pay them enough um, like people will like do things for free for a certain amount of time like someone will produce like a a great podcast or some great you know whatever but but it tends to like die on the vine because you can't 
you know you just can't it's just pointless basically at the end of the day to to do things for free um it's okay when there's like some kind of at the end of the world if it's the end of the world then you might as well fill in your time by uh interviewing loads of strangers or doing loads of stuff for free doing like yoga or whatever um but i can't i can't be asked doing that i've been i feel like i've been doing that most of my life so if it's the end of the world i'll just i'll do so i'll find something else to do so um so yeah so i stopped so i stopped doing sort of uh, podcasts for a while um why why else, why else did i stop well, i guess i was doing i was doing the i was doing the 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 book uh the book thing so uh so the so the book the down book which i which i'm always going on about was kind of it's kind of because it's a it's a print on demand kind of book actually it's funny that at the moment there's all this stuff about donald trump and his how much tax he pays and uh like anyone who anyone who tries to make a living being self-employed they're like god i wish i could pay that that little amount of tax but the uh the financial side of being self-employed like if those climbing photographers had not been all like hippies they would have uh they would still be climbing photographers because um is this understanding the financial side of doing stuff for free or, or you know to some degree is what lets you keep doing it for long enough so um so the uh so the book the down book uh because it's like a print on demand book so the the economics of it for me is i can i can afford to spend like two years writing a book about abseiling uh if i um if i kind of self-publish it and i self-publish it through amazon so it means you make you know like like you make a like a normal book you might make like 10 percent or maximum like 20 percent uh of the of the the price of the book which is like if some books like psychovertical i have to pay like 20 percent of that 10 percent or 13 percent to my agent and then you know then you've got to pay your tax on it and everything else so by, by the time it comes down to it maybe you'll make like 50 pence per book or something which is good if you're jk rowling or you know some kind of transphobe like her or you um or you're like that that woman who writes books about um you know shagging whatever her name is um 50 shades of gray um uh, <laughs> um then then you're all right like 50 50p or even less than that like you know 1p is good it's like that kind of walmart kind of model it works quite well but if you're making like niche climbing books where you're only going to maybe sell like 4000 copies like a really really good successful climbing book is probably going to sell like 4000 copies over about 20 over 20 years so you need to really uh you know get the get that get the sort of financial side kind of sorted so the so the so down is a bit like uh higher education and me myself and i those kind of books which are like ultra nerdy and ultra niche and uh so that's um so they're printed through amazon and loads of people hate amazon but it's it's a little bit for me it's a little bit like when tesco's or these big supermarkets turned up all these little kind of corner shops disappeared and no one really seemed to give a toss about them so uh um so you know, the same with like the games all the game shops of all disappearing because you can download games and uh or spotify like all of all the record shops have disappeared because people listen to our spotify but um it's just the way it is so run with it like anyone who wants to ignore the ability to make like 70 percent profit over like seven percent profit is you know you could you can you can die on that hill but you will well you will die you'll starve to death on it so uh so yeah you know, so if i have if so exploiting amazon i i like to think of it um yeah so uh <laughs> um so yeah so 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 the thing about the book is because it's a print on demand book like in the past if you did a book you would print you know like a thousand copies two thousand copies you know so if you look at books like um like ray jardine's excellent book highly recommend that uh the railway uh something like some something to do with like sort of like physics but it's actually about like you know walking and shite like that walking in the woods like an american uh or the big wall guide for yosemite you know that i think they they would like print like you know you know like a lot of copies like a garage full of copies and then those all those books would be sitting in the garage for 
you know, a long, a long time. Hopefully not very long, but generally a long time. And you know, you have you have to store them all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and if you make any mistakes, which I always make lots of mistakes, uh, you uh, you end up having like four thousand books with like loads of mistakes, in, and you'll never rectify them. So, so down and a lot most of the books I do myself are all uh, print on demand books. So you you order it and Amazon print it or someone else prints it. And then Amazon like sends it to you uh, anywhere in the world. So that's another good thing. Like if you want to buy a book from me and you live in Australia or you live in Argentina or Greenland or whatever, uh, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. If if you live in Ireland, like I'm living in Ireland, so it's Ireland is very it seems to be very expensive to post anything anywhere. So people often want things. Um, you know, they want like books like signed or whatever, but I just I just can't be asked doing that kind of. It's just too much faff doing it. So I just. You know, it's just better for Amazon deal with all that. So, so it's a good, it's a very good, it's a very interesting way of um, publishing because it means that any mistakes, like I probably see mistakes in the book. Uh, like basically, the book was finished, and um, and it was being sent out to everybody, and I didn't get a copy of the actual physical book until everybody else had got the copy. Just that's how it. I ordered my copy and I ordered everybody else's copy at the same time who'd got it on Kickstarter because just after like three years of waiting it was seemed like it was a good just to get the people the books so um so almost everyone got their book before I did so I saw people like on Instagram like with a picture of the book going oh this is great and I'm like oh that's what it looks like so I eventually got my copy of the book and then there's a there's always like some like it was proofread so much it was proofread by Vanessa, my wife, she proofread it twice. It was proofread by loads of really people I really, really trusted. But yet there were still some mistakes. And even in the process of rectifying mistakes, you often make mistakes by, you know, copy and pasting the wrong thing or missing something. So so there was this is like there was some mistakes and then I rectified those mistakes and uploaded a new copy to Amazon and then and basically I'm on about version twenty one and there's nothing None of the mistakes are, you know, are going to kill anybody. It's like basically like some grammar's wrong or a, there's a italicized word and it shouldn't be italicized or whatever or some, you know. So so it's nothing. Nothing's going to kill anybody. But um, so but anyways, that's a really good thing about this kind of um, thing, you know. Uh, a good good thing is the book is massive. Like I I would say like it's twenty five quid. 25 pounds which for all that work is actually uh, very cheap and uh, and the kindle version is like 9.99 or 9 euros 9 9.99 euros 9.99 dollars whatever so the so so all of them I I think are very cheap uh, and that and for me that's like part of by making a good margin on it I can make it as, as cheap as as cheap as possible really like i don't want to make it like super cheap because anyway, so, so there's and there's also a version which is called um like down core or something which is just the uh the abseil chapter which is just about like basically fundamentals of abseiling which is still very te- very very technical chapter but it's like sixteen thousand words rather than eighty thousand words and i think that's like 199 you know, dollars, pounds, euros, whatever, because that is, uh, that's kind of intended to be like everyone, every climber should have it. It's like a Kindle. It's on a Kindle. So everyone, you can use it on your phone or whatever, but like, is that the idea of that is like every single climber should have a copy of that because it's only two quid, uh, because it'll make you a safer climber and it'll make you, you know, buy it for your friends or whatever uh it's it's like it's it's like it helps people if people get that it's too quid you know it's like less than the price of a coffee it might make them buy the full version which is going to be nine you know 10 quid or 25 quid but the idea is that every single climber in america and uk whatever should probably have this thing because it's like i'm almost like giving it away and i would have i would have given it away but i found through my uh i found in life that if you give things away for free people don't want them or they don't appreciate them so if you're trying to give something away like a crap like rowing machine no one wants it but if you if you charge like 10 pounds for it like everybody wants it so so yeah so um so so yeah so that's good that the 
It's good that the down thing has finally finished. It's got lots of uh, like five star reviews. I've had a f- I've had many. Uh, I had someone. I had like a mountain guide, who was one of my uh, trolls. A troll mountain guide. Uh, I think all mountain guides troll me. Basically, I probably troll them back in everything. Everything in the world that basically is about trolling. I reckon at the moment. So um, yeah, I had a mountain guide who was kind of trolling me, saying that. In in the book, I, I have like a few different ways of tying a rope together. So I have like an overhand, and I have a a Gibbs knot and a half Gibbs, and a, and then a few other like knots that you can use. And they get like more and more kind of they kind of get a little bit more obscure. Probably the most obscure one is just using like an alpine butterfly, but tying two ropes together with an alpine butterfly, which is good if you're gonna. If you're gonna like abseil um, with like a massive amount of weight on on the rope, so say there was like three of you abseiling down, like if you can tie your ropes together, it's a it's very easy to untie that. But 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 most of them, you know, most people are going to use like an alpine. No, most are going to use like an overhand or a Gibbs or a half Gibbs. And a Gibbs knot is basically when you tie the overhand, you just pass both strands through a second time. And a half Gibbs is you only pass one strand through. And the only reason you'd want to use like a Gibbs knot is if you're abseiling on like a five mil rope and uh, like 10 mil rope or something. That's why it's it's good for that kind of thing. Anyway, so that's all in the, that's all in like the 199 thing. So you'd have to spend the whole, if you're poor, whatever. If you're, if you're out, of, out of work, you know, if your COVID payments have been cut off, then that's, that's, that's for you, that thing. So... Um, yes, he was trolling me because I basically saying the say like just don't use a figure of eight, you know, don't use an overhead uh, figure of eight offset figure of eight, what it's called. Um, just because I don't, I just don't think it's very, I just don't think it's very good to use it. And I have, uh, like, I have uh, like two two people I know they were abseiling and I, they were like you know super super experienced climbers and they were abseiling in. Uh, kind of a, like a wet wet weather, like it was pouring with rain in the Lake District, and one of them um, like tied the ropes together with a with a figure of eight, so an offset sort of figure of eight, and uh, he abseiled on it. And when the other guy abseiled on it, the 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 knot came undone, and he's like fell. And so luckily he survived, but he was like not he wasn't in the, he wasn't tap dancing for a long time. He was like in a, he was in a bad way, so. And I just, I just seemed, is this one of those things where you hear lots of people talking about that figure of eights are sort of dodgy and you've, you know, you've seen tests where people say they're, they're less strong than an overhand knot and they roll and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, often when people die or have bad accidents where the knot comes undone, like it's very hard to know what knot was there because people did you tie the right knot was he mistaken the knot so it's it's not and it's not an easy thing to really um to deal with and uh, like ensa in uh, chamonix they did a load of tests with uh with knots and they basically said that figure of eight was fine and i've seen some other instructional manuals uh, in france where they say the figure of eight is the one to use but for me it seems like it seems counterintuitive because a figure of eight is not as strong as an overhand knot and it's also a bigger knot and uh yeah it's easy to untie but like why is that a good why is that a good thing so um uh it's just a bit and it's you know it just seems weird and for me i think it may come down to a guiding thing like if you're if you're guiding somebody apologize for the noise if you're guiding somebody do you want to have um it doesn't look very confident in confidence inspiring when you when you uh when you look at like an overhand knot it's like christ almighty is that it you know it's like there you go we'll wrap on this it's like oh my god that looks ter- that looks terrifying so in the past where you had like a, a reef knot and it was finished with stopper knots or like you know f- f- uh, fisherman's knots that, you know, that looked like really 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 strong and it was really really strong but it was just bound to get caught in something it was like a much bigger knot so that was um yeah so he was basically so saying i I don't agree with you and uh you should use a figure of eight and you shouldn't say it's dangerous when it's not but it's my book so fuck off anyway so (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, the, the, in the book, there's like a big, there's a lot, there's a lot at the beginning of the book. There's a huge bit about Namalachia, Namalachia, we call it, and uh, like administration, admin for the book. And there's a bit in there which just says like, look, this book is written by someone who is not a qualified climbing instructor. You know, th- this is all my, you know, climbing experience in this book. Some things, like so, you know, like I had a thing about. If you have an ang- if you have like a an abseil point where you feed the rope through, if it's flat against the wall, then I I generally always feed the rope coming out of it. So when you pull the rope, you're pulling the rope out of the out of the thing, not in towards the rock. And I had a, a message from someone uh, from Poland who said he was always taught to do it the other way around, but I I I tend to do it that way because I like to have the knot on the outside. Of, you know, so I can see the knot on the outside, not like on the inside of the anchor, which probably doesn't make much difference. But for me, I quite like it that way. And I also, whenever I'm abseiling, if if all possible, I always like walk away from the walk away from the wall. So I've got as much, you know. So when I pull, so when the end falls out of the abseil point, it, it, ideally it's going to come away from the wall. Um, there's going to be no like friction or whatever. And I just find it's it's better. It works better that that way than the other way because the other way the rope can be the two rope the two sides of the rope can actually rub together like a tiny bit, which doesn't make any difference for most of the time. But it's, but a lot of these things, it's about that ninety nine point nine 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 you know chance of these things happening, and they do happen. You know, like a ro- a thin rope will fall and it will like tie a knot into itself, and just loads loads of like loads of weird stuff that can you know if you abseil like in the last you know sort of five years you know i must have abseiled like a thousand you know hundreds of hundreds of times thousand times or whatever and you know so you and, and in my life i've abseiled like a hell of a lot and you know you you just most abseils go completely fine most abseils you could tie the rope together with the biggest knot in the world you could just you could do it blindfolded. It wouldn't really matter, and everything would be fine. But it's it's always in those times where you really need to like get your shit together. You know, you can't just if you fuck it up. Well, if you make one mistake, you're gonna really, you know, you're gonna make a difficult situation like a lot. You know, a lot, a lot worse. It's probably like if someone said, "See this guy with his chainsaw. He's gonna run after you, and if he gets you, he's gonna." Uh, is going to chop your head off. Uh, you got like a five second head start, and then when you start running, your your shoelace comes undone, you know, and your shoe falls off and you get killed. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm thinking about when I'm writing these books. So, um, so, so yeah, so so it's good that the it's good that that things um, it's good that that's done. Um, and now, like with all with all these kind of projects, now now I'm on to like what I'm gonna what am I going to do next? Cause I'm like, you always got a, this is the thing about being self-employed. Like a few, like my ex-wife, who's a, like an academic. Um, she said to me, I get, when we were married, like I, I never appreciated how hard it was to work for yourself, to be self-motivating, which is kind of nice things. Probably the nice thing, probably the only nice thing she ever said to me, but the, um, the, you know, to be, to be, it's, it's really difficult. Like it's much easier like just just to turn up for work and be told what to do and you do it and then you get something else to do but when you're when you're self-employed it's kind of it's kind of hard so um so yeah so now i have to think about what else what else to do so i've got a few projects i've got this book this fictional book the bear pit which i've probably written like a third of it already and i I wrote it i was in like america for like a few months probably four or five years ago and i spent like I like drove around all over America and I was like in Las Vegas for like two weeks just sitting in Starbucks for two weeks writing this book so I've got to kind of finish that but I kind of worry it's a little bit like um it's you it's using your brain sort of takes up the shape like you know like if you're say if someone's really good at sport and they do a lot of say like someone who's a builder and they're always got this physical job and then you give them a job in an office where they're like looking after other builders. Like very soon, that person who's like very fit and very strong will just end up like a like a fat bloke sitting in an office because your your body will adapt to whatever you're doing. In the same way, 
is that you know if if you start doing lots of gardening you know you'll suddenly feel like a lot stronger because you're lifting things and moving around and i think your your brain is the same like your brain just um you know your my brain has was turned into like a brain which is like a very like yes you t- insert the rope into um you know the the ab with your abd uh you know pull this uh blah 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 underline pull so your your brain becomes like very technical and it's not very flowy it's not very uh it's i don't know it's it's just not very creative in that in that sense it's like it's purely like like lego like a lego (laughs) putting all these lego blocks in place it's not really able to write anything very very sort of uh simple or creative or expressive or whatever so so i'm kind of worried about the just going back into this thing um like in a way you know like if you had like a mon a montage if you wanted to write something really creative yourself like everyone everyone wanted to write bloody bloody memoirs because they're all off you know off with the plague they're all like sitting at home nothing to do everyone's writing the memoirs so one, I think a really good thing to do is to try and uh, get into the habit of starting to write more creatively and just r- try and write something every day. Like the classic thing is you write like three pages, three pages by hand every morning. You know, you spend like half an hour to write out stuff by hand. But I think if you have a blog and you just start write, just like banging out, just do the work, just bang out something creative and don't care if it's good or bad, but just you know like if it was a montage you know it would be like instead of like carrying trees around and going for runs in the snow and um you know like while Dolph Lundgren's like having electrodes stuck up his ass you'd be you know you'd just be like typing if he was a typewriter it's really good because you'd have that bit where I like push the thing across and then I could put some more paper in but with a computer the computer is a bit more crap it's like switch on anyway so you know so 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 but i haven't got, i don't know if i've got time to really do that at the moment so and then the other the other two ones i'm just trying to redo the kindle version of like aid my aid basics book which is like a little tiny book i did like ages ago and uh which people still still seem to buy like there's high, higher education is like the 200,000 word version of that book basically and this is like a little tiny thing but I always in the in the book I remember this bit and it says like metal to metal like when you're climbing when you're aid climbing it was just about aid climbing as in really really short for someone who's going to do the nose or something like that it's like really just very very simple tiny little you know not a lot it's not it's not very long and uh but in it's about like metal to metal so you have a fifi hook when you get on your aiders you need to get your metal your fifi hook into the carabiner at the top like don't start going up like one step at a time one fifi you know a fifiing into all your daisy chain holes all the way up to the top so it's like metal to metal and then one a few years ago i was like climbing the nose and there was these uh these guys behind us coming up uh for quite a long time and it turned out later on that they uh they had actually read my book and their whole thing the whole time was like metal to metal metal to metal all the way up it and um so that was kind of funny so whenever i think about this book i always think about like those guys like like this is actually kind of useful so i've been trying to do that so i've been doing like the kindle the kindle version so kindle if if you ever have to code like kindling kindle coding is like a, a pain in the ass it's like doing a website and it just seems to be a just it looks terrible like anything with image like words look okay on a kindle but anything else with images looks terrible so the kindle version of down it probably took me like a month or two months to finish that because it was just death by like css and stuff like trying to get it all to look okay but again but that's the thing about self being self-employed is you got a lot of time to learn all this crap and make lots of mistakes and it's a little bit like going to university like if you want i could have paid someone to do my kindle but instead i spent like two, my, my time is incredibly cheap so i just spent my whole like i've I've done that i've done loads of kindle books already but i just always forget how to do it so it's like going to university then having like a serious head injury as soon as you as soon as you get your degree and you can't remember the fuck all what you did so it's a bit like that so uh, but the, and then my other project is is maybe doing a Kickstarter. Like my, Vanessa's like, don't do any more Kickstarters. Like don't do a Kickstarter unless you finished it and you just want you know. But 
the ki- the Kickstarter thing, although the last one was like you know like two years late, um, like it was I think it was so late that I think Kickstarter thought I died or something because I couldn't like get a login anymore. But the to do one, uh, trying to dis- dispel the idea of someone being tough or hard. Uh, uh, and like you know how to how to avoid like the art of not suffering basically um so you know like like how you can be in like really you know like 50 degrees minus 50 degrees um you know wet weather cold weather how to dress and how to approach um not you know so you're not uncomfortable because because for me i think it's always an illusion in that people think oh this person is like very very hard like some people are more conditioned to the cold uh, because of their you know they're just growing up in it so they're the way like i remember a few years ago we did the, i went to this thing in newcastle university and they did this testing where i had to wear i had to had a I had to have all these like um uh, sensors like temperature sensors all over our skin and we had to I had to have one up my ass as well like an internal an internal one and then there was a um like a friend of mine he was like a really good uh, long distance, you know, long distance runner. So he was like super, super skinny. I think he weighed like fifty six kilos. I weighed like a hundred kilos, and we had to uh, do like go on these treadmills, and we were like we had wet clothes and dry clothes, and we had the wind, and everything else. Um, uh, the funniest thing about it was it was like over two days, and for l- at lunchtime we had to take our anal probes out, <laughs> and, and the guy was like go in that room and take your anal probe out and put it in that bucket with like water in it. So. <laughs> So I took my anal probe out and I put it into the bucket, and then the other guys was already in the bucket. And then when I came out, I said like, "How, <laughs> how we know? How we know whose is whose?" And he was like, "We have more than we have more than two. It was like, "Oh, that's good." Um, I probably told that story already. So, um, <laughs> my point was was when we were doing the what I noticed was when we were doing the testing was I came out. I came out a lot warmer than he did. Uh, like I was like a lot fatter than he was. I had like I had some more sort of belly timber to keep me warm. I also noticed was the way I um like when we were walking into the wind. Like I would put my arms behind me, or I would um I would just like physic. I would just look different to he to him. Um, I was because I was just probably just more. I just. Use more used to trying to conserve like body te- body heat from from doing a lot more stuff in cold places, and it's probably the same with um, like you know if you're like I remember someone told me on a flight in Alaska that uh, Inuits have like a short have shorter uh, nerve endings or or nerve pathways or something so they could withstand the cold, but like I'd, I'm not sure how true that how true that could be. Uh, like I would think it's more to do with like they're better at not getting too hot in the first place because like you know the trick to not getting cold is not getting hot basically um you know so people are much better at, like dumping heat really really quickly and uh and that kind of stuff so and yeah so 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 yeah this I, as soon as I thought about doing this book I then when I was thinking about um you know like the clo- like you know like like history and how we how we dress in the past uh like in the uh, like i've moved to um uh, uh county Galway. like uh i'm li- uh, living in a um what's it called a uh uh it's a special name for it the uh, uh anyway it's a gay it's a it's like a gaelic place where everyone speaks gaelic basically um oh it's really funny it's like a really weird like irish uh, gaelic word uh anyway but so i live that it's actually where they filmed the guard if you're not seen if you've never seen the film the guard definitely watch it it's like a fantastic film uh with brendan brendan gleason and also while you're watching it watch um the uh the general with with brendan gleason that's another great film it looks terrible when you start watching it, it looks absolutely shit but it's a great it's a great film i think it's on amazon prime yes yeah, another little plug there for amazon i get like one p every time i say the word amazon amazon uh um so we're living in uh, in uh, Galway you know, like county Galway so the weather here is like absolutely oh, it's not been too bad at the moment but it is generally really really shit like you're, you're basically right on the edge of the Atlantic and the rain is just like you know like it's 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 like pretty pretty intense like we had like water coming down 
uh, there's a vent we have like one of these arga cooker things where you, like an oil cooker thing and there was like water like coming down out the down the chimney the other day because it was just like you know so so wet so um so you know so when you live somewhere like this like this is a classic uh a classic example of an incredibly tough place to live like i was just reading uh about like the well a while ago i was reading like the you know biography of oliver cromwell you know and cromwell came over to ireland and they really really suffered you know from the from the weather um like in those days didn't really have any good like tentage or whatever so like you know that's why you didn't campaign like in the winter time but in ireland like the weather was like so horrific all the time like people just wet and miserable and you know those people those people died of exposure and everything else so it was uh so yeah so it's kind of interesting like looking at how people must have dressed in the past here and and uh and also in the uk and then so i started looking at the how people i was thinking like what's a really good example of somewhere like if you can if you can if you can move you can you know you can you can stay warm in like almost any kind of conditions like you know anyone who's been running on a really wet day or really cold weather you know you can wear you can be wearing very little and you're generating your own body heat so you can stay comfortable but it's when you're uh standing around that's like the worst that's kind of the worst of it standing around when you're when you're wet um or standing around like yeah, standing around when it's when it's just very cold is not so bad as long as you've got enough clothes on but standing around when you're wet you know you're the 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 heat that's just you know there's like like just seeps out of you like so quickly uh so then i was then i was like looking in looking up like in the first world war like which is pr- you had you had like oil skins and things but they weren't being used uh in the really in the first world war so just just, just as an aside it's interesting like so a british soldier they would wear um like a woolly uh wo- like woolen underwear so they'd have like underwear bottoms and tops and then they would wear like a, a like a mohair or very thin sometimes it was cotton sometimes it was uh, wool but like a shirt that went over the top that had no had no collar uh, and that kind of probably created a, a little bit of like a windproof layer like a bit like wearing a rab vaporized top or a dry climb top or something and then over the top of that then they would wear um, sometimes they would wear like a comforter which was something which was made by like people at home like your wife or people would make them and send them to soldiers and that might be just like a waistcoat made out of wool, and then they would have their uh, trousers. The trousers were wool, and then they would have like a woolen, um, like a like a jacket that went over the top, like a you know like an army kind of uh, jacket. And then over the top of that, they would wear things like like a, a, a gilet, like gherkin kind of thing. Is it gherkin jerkin made out of leather, which would like stop the wind? Then you had like sheepskin, and you had you know, but they would basically wear like lots and lots of layers of wool which is probably you know probably similar to how like in Galway um there's all these photographs of you know women who were wearing uh um they were wearing uh they'd wear like a shawl made out of wool and then they would have like like other wool layers like underneath so uh like it must, must have been like like tough and it's very very smelly people must have been so smelly in the past so it's like you know, no one had the, no one could really wash, and they were just going around in like, you know, dirty, dirty woolly clothes all the time. So or maybe they weren't. Like when you go to, like in Africa, it's amazing how like like people are living in what we would view as being like quite squalid conditions. You know, living in like a shanty, you know, shanty kind of housing, uh, but like everyone's wearing like really, you know, clean t-shirts. Yeah, everyone looks like really, really immaculate. There's no washing machines or anything. Everyone's like hand washing everything. So maybe people people weren't as smelly, but I know people I think I know people like the road to Wigan Pier, like George Orwell, I think he talks about how smelly people were, like working class people in the past. And uh, speaking for myself, you know, like um, <laughs> I have been smelly in the past, so maybe maybe that is true. Um as a as a weird as a weird aside actually, in my little looking up at this stuff, I ended up sharing a photograph of the a soldier in the Falklands War and I found this article about um 
in the Falklands War, they were using some soldiers used like like barber uh, wax cotton um, jackets. And the reason that I think the Falkland War is interesting because a I've met I've met quite a lot of people who are in the Falklands War, like Marines and Paras and people like that. And I've met people like I mean I've been to Argentina like five times. So I've met like people in Argentina who uh, one guy was like a taxi driver who'd been like. He had been um, wounded. Uh, it was in the Argentinian army, been wounded, and then, but then he was saying how how nice, how good the British were to him, and he said they, they said like he he played football with them. So I was like trying to think how wounded he must have been. So and then he met. I remember met meeting someone who was like their son was shot down and killed in, you know, in the war and stuff. So, um, but the the Falklands War is like an interesting one because it always seems to be at the end of. Um, it seems to be like this, like this, a time, like a bit, like nineteen eighty two, was you still had this like old way of people dressing with this like new way like approaching. So some people were wearing like fleece and Gore-Tex and you know fiber pile um, and more kind of like modern kind of like outdoor fabrics, which was just coming online then. Like I think like the SAS were given like Gore-Tex jackets by the American like Delta Force or somebody and then but this other but then you had all these other soldiers who were wearing like gabardine and ventile and wool and uh you know silk and all all this kind of stuff so it's kind of an interesting period and that kind of fighting in you know it was like sort of some of it was like static in trenches and you know a lot of really miserable kind of conditions and there must have been a big aspect of being just being tough but i know that you know you see some of the photographs um of like the argentinian soldiers and they look like pretty miserable like some of them like the conscripts and things and that's because like a lot of the conscripts came from the north of argentina where it was very hot and then they were sent off to the falklands so um but unfortunately in the in the process of in the process of doing this i I had this photograph of someone wearing a barber jacket and there's a very good web, very good article online about how soldiers had these like modified barber jackets, and a barber jacket was probably quite expensive then, so it would only be like officer officer level probably. Um, but I think a barber jacket you can probably just sew anything onto it because it's I don't think it's like sealed. You know, if you just you just put some more wax on it, probably waterproof or water resistant. Um, and I, but I mentioned this aside that Rab Rab Carrington, he uh, he. Um, he made like he made like down gear that was like subsequent like when he was in Argentina that was subsequently used in the war, and the story I'd heard like I, I once like years and years ago when I was living in London I organised this event at the Alpine Club and I really you know I was like very I'd only started working in like an outdoor shop like a few months before but I was like super keen and I somehow managed to get Rab who terrifies the fuck out of me um, this like scary Scotsman. And Hamish Hamilton, who um, started Buffalo, who's like the guy behind Buffalo um, clothing, so he's kind of the, probably one of the f- the fathers of like soft shell. Basically, I got them to come and give a talk at the Alpine Club about like clothing and equipment and stuff. So, but like hardly anybody came because this was the day before social media. You just went, I just went around and stuck some some posters up in people's shops and things. But um, but yeah, Rab told the story how he was in Argentina. And there's but like a dock strike, so none of their equipment had turned up from Britain. There was a dock strike in Liverpool. Their gear didn't turn up, so he had to wait like a few months for it to turn up. And he got a job um, with someone making like down clothing and uh, and you know down sleeping bags and all this kind of stuff, down jackets and things for the army. And then and it, this was like 1973. And then like in 1982, like he switched on the telly and he saw like the the Argentinians like invading the the uh the Falkland Islands or the Malvinas Islands depends who, who you're talking to and uh there you could see this, these people's like Argentinian special forces like commandos wearing like the the jackets he'd been making and stuff and uh, I always thought it was like kind of a cool story but it was it was weird like I sort of posted it and then yeah, some people were like I think some people thought I think some people have this filter like anything I say I'm trying to tr- troll people or, or trying to be controversial or trying to stare the shit which i'm not not at all and uh you know so you know, some 
you know, so, so it ended up being like, you know, like, oh, you're trying to say that we shouldn't buy Rab products because he was selling stuff to the army or whatever. And, you know, and, uh, and oh, it was like he was, he was in 1982, he was living in, you know, Doncaster or whatever. You know, like I wasn't saying he was like in Port Stanley with his sewing machine banging out like down socks or something. Um, but then a friend, a fr- someone who I really respect, sort of like chided in and uh, was basically saying I was like making it up and I was like lying or something. So uh, like Vanessa's always like, don't just just don't engage, just don't don't reply. Like it's social media, it's not don't, you know. But for me, it's always a little bit like if someone says, "Oh, you're a pedophile," and then Van- Vanessa would be like, "Don't even reply. It's not you know don't." You know, it's like not good to reply to these things. So for me, it's like I'm gonna fuck. I'm, I'm not telling. I'm, I'm telling the truth. This is what Rab told me. So I ended up, um, you know, replying a few times and uh, not in a very uh, in a well, fairly res- fairly respectful, but more but mainly like annoyed because I don't. I you know I've 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 tried to. I just had about three months off social media where I had no social media whatsoever. I didn't have twitter or facebook or anything instagram and I, I always have this intention of like not going back not going back on social media and uh like i always end i always delete all my tweets because the idea is that like you've got like a window i guess twitter must have been off for less than a month actually it feel, feels like three months it was only less than a month because you always you you always um or maybe i didn't tweet i didn't use so i didn't use twitter for like a month or two months and then I deleted it but you've got like 30 days to, to for it, until it dies completely and I always delete all my email all my tweets and the idea is that there's no real incentive to go back and and I'm like I was like sticking to it and I didn't want to go back to Facebook and and all this kind of stuff because it is just like so toxic I just don't want to engage with it but then, but then, towards the end, you're always that part of you that's like the business part of you is like, yeah. But if you're gonna do another book, how are you gonna tell people about it? Or if you're gonna, you know, it's like the it's like the mafia, you know, you know, you they always pull they always pull you back. So um, so but so was, but I was trying to be more I was trying to be more have a more positive um interaction with social media, like making making it do what I want it to do, not do what it wanted wanted me to do. So, um, so yeah, so I was, but I was trying, I was trying to be more, I was, I was, I was trying to be, you know, like, fuck off, like, I'm not lying, you bastard, or whatever. Um, and, uh, but I think, I think ultimately what it was was this friend of mine, uh, who's Argentinian, like, he hated the idea of this guy who Rab was working for making gear for the army. Like, he, I don't think he could accept that this guy was like, a hero of his he would never have made gear for the army you know like you basically had you know you know this look look up the history of argentina and the army there like it's not it's not good it's like making stuff for the the ss or something it's not it's not good anyway but it but it turned out um so he just i think he just thought it was some making up or lying or whatever something i just got my wires crossed but anyway but then it turned out that that was that was the case he had a contract for the army so i wasn't i wasn't lying and um but it's like one of those, it's one of those things where like everything is always so you know it's like it's like a really shit game of chess basically where you just have one piece each and you just try to smash the other person over the head with it you're like it's like the size of a brick you're just like smashing each other the head anyway so basically i beat him like he said i was lying and i proved he was wrong you know but then i was like um like like it's so shit like if if this if this guy like like basically I've just said like oh this guy you respected he was he was like selling shit to the to the enemy to the you know to the the junta or whatever and and you're wrong and I'm right and um so I just I just like sent him a message and I was like like forget all this shit like what is actually going on like why why are you why are we arguing over this you know like what's really going on and um he hasn't replied so hopefully he will but I think I think that's one thing, one reason. Like one reason I've tried to get off social media is like it's like totally, it's totally dementing people. Like people are losing their shit. Like totally rational people 
are completely losing their shit and uh, like I still intend to do this uh this podcast this other podcast this like the dogma of certainty podcast and I've actually got some music someone's created some music for me for it which is kind of cool kind of music um because I do feel like this I feel like the like everyone is like really sane people I never thought would succumb to this like mania uh really really losing it and it's uh it's um you know it's like really it's like really 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 scary even like I live here in the like literally the middle of nowhere like it doesn't really I don't really care it doesn't affect me if you have like a civil war or whatever in America or whatever but um but I do really hate to see people just becoming so um you know sort of manic and uh manic and crazy but like what like with I've spent like I spent like a lot of time here like outside um because where we live is like a, there's quite a lot of it was like completely overgrown it's about a hectare which is like quite a big quite a big amount of land which was completely overgrown like up to like head height brambles like thick brambles and all loads of like just crap like as i've been like trying to cut it all down i found like a cement mixer and you know loads of just shit that would just been left here for like forever um and like but for me like just not having any social media and not really interacting with a computer as much as possible like i don't i still don't own a phone so that's like one like thankfully that's one really great thing um just like listening podcasting is podcasts listening to podcasts is like my only the only real interaction with like the rest of the world apart from watching the boys on amazon <laughs> um boys that's in the tv program not like boys you know i don't even think not, nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with watching boys on amazon um but you know what i'm talking about the boys the superhero thing uh yeah so 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 for me like it was funny because do you know if you have to like cut down like several thousand several tons worth of brambles and shit is that you really see the the result of all your effort of being like totally knackered the whole time and covered in scratches and you know people walking past and like commenting on how much better it looks and all that kind of stuff instead of being in this kind of virtual cyber world um and another thing i've noticed is that like Vanessa has spent a lot of time in the house and she's been like painting walls and all that kind of stuff and she listens to talk radio all the time and like like if I, I I literally have to tell her to like switch it off because I find it is this like constant um just like it it just makes you so stupid and so ignorant it's like a, it's like it sucks all your intelligence out of your brain and all your balance and you know you become the you know this like what's it they call it the the extreme middle you know like you know you can't be in the you can't be in the middle you've got to and the the more like I always say to her like today I got to switch it off because I just couldn't stand it anymore it's about the Trump Biden sort of debate and I'm just like it's not about it's not about supporting Donald Trump but it's not about supporting Biden. It's about the media, like the way, the way, what it is doing to people. Like it's not just about, um, it's not, like we watched that program, the the social, the social dilemma, which is kind of interesting, kind of, it's interesting to watch it because, you know, like I've, I've been writing about this thing. I think I have an article I wrote, like in, I definitely had one in 2017 called uh, Dogs on my website about this kind of thing. But I wrote something like, you know, 2014 about this, uh, what's going on. So, so, so I feel like I've been very aware of it for a long time. But it's um, the more you get aware of it, the more like, hypersensitive you are to it. Um, uh, you know, it's really, it's like, I find it kind of terrifying. Um, there was there was something that the other day I had to drop drop my son off at the airport, and I was having, I was I had to drive. It was like five in the morning, I was driving along, and there was something on the radio, and it was about this book in in France, and it was called like, you know, men are scum or something like this, and uh, the the person was saying, oh, this is a oh, this is a very controversial book, and um, 
it's been reprinted and uh, we have this this guy this man here like you know what do you think about it and the guy's like it's terrible men are men are scumbags oh blah 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 and then there's a the social you know it's like a you know war blah 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 and then another person going well men are bastards and you know we have the, the patriarchy and you know slavery and blah 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 and and then there was somebody else and was like like this this book has only sold 200 copies and they've reprinted 400 more copies like why are you talking about this and the person was like well but you know what do you think do you think men are scumbags and the whole thing is completely manufactured like your like outrage and your discombobulation and your general psychosis is just kind of being monetized and and we have this game whenever we put 10 on the radio it's like what's being talked about let me guess covid and every time you put the radio on it's about covid so if like covid had never happened what would they be talking about they'd be talking about donald trump and if donald trump wasn't happening here what would they be talking about brexit and if Brexit never happened, what they'd be talking about? Like, there's, like, if you, if if Trump loses this election, which I which I think he probably won't, um, because I think because think of this could because of this in a way, is that people are, are incredibly people are much more smarter. Like, and that's the thing is, like, I really don't mind being manipulated and being brainwashed, but I expect it to be high higher quality than the what's going on right now um and i think most people are the same and i think you have this uh you know the classic silent majority people are just people who just can completely um see through all this and they really you know the, I, I miss the i miss the days of you know the, the when you know when the bbc did this well and you know you'll, you'll see you know like two women kiss on brookside you know in the in the uh, you know the late eighties, and it was like shocking, and it's like, oh well, maybe there's not right now wrong with lesbians, you know, and then you you know whatever, or you'd see like a black guy and a white woman going out on East End, it's like, oh maybe there's not not wrong with it, you know. So it's like this kind of slow slow thing, but now it's just like it's just it's just crazy, it's just crazy. So um, so yeah, so <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically. Uh, um like you know it's just mad it's like um what's it information paralysis this is so much information so that's that's the one thing i like about podcasts basically is that you have like an hour of like two boring people talking talking to each other you know and it's uh it's much, it's much harder to be really outraged about two you know like two people just talking you know over over zoom you know there's you but when it's you know so i quite like i quite like the podcast so that's that's one reason why i decided to do some more podcasts because i i probably get through like three or four three or four podcasts every single day and uh you know and you can it's like it's, you're a bit lost aren't you really you'd have to read a book or something i've been playing quite a lot of chess although uh, not not a lot but like every day i play chess once a day um and uh <laughs> Sound like I'm right. I'm, I've got all posh, haven't I? God, listen to me. I, I live in the countryside, playing chess, doing the garden. I'll be booking bed watching next. No, I'll kill myself first. So, um, so yeah. So that's why I thought I'd do some uh, get back to the podcasting. But um, I, I did, I did see a, I did see a, uh, I did see a, a thing. Because I, I was going to do some more podcasting, I actually went to the to the Apple page where this podcast is. And I've got lots of really good reviews, but I had a one-star review, and it was like, "This guy sounds it's like uneducated and and ignorant." And he, uh, forty minutes in, he still not hasn't got to the to the what the subject matter is. So, so I guess this podcast is for this for that person, whoever that was, because um, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not even going to get to the subject matter. I've been speaking now for an hour, and uh, I was going to talk about some other things. But I've kind of got I kind of got sidetracked on all the other on all the other stuff. But it has been a while, hasn't it? Like this would be like as me and me and you like meeting up and like what have you been up to? And I'd just be like, basically nothing. Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. This is me talking about basically nothing at all. So um, so yeah. So I think I should uh, I think I should finish it there. And uh, I do I do have some 
I, I was going through my oh, I got going back through my emails when I was like podcasting every week I had quite a lot of really good cool questions people asked me so I'll do another podcast next week and I'll like actually answer some of those questions but anybody else has got any other questions I think some of these answers some of these questions I might have answered them already on another podcast but I can't I can't remember so I'll, I'll answer them all again so it'd be like a good be like a be like a sort of Christopher Nolan film like oh my god it's like deja vu anyway so um so that's it. I don't think I thought, don't think got any more news. Uh, hope you're all everyone's uh, all okay. Uh, I've only got I actually have only got I've got fifty eight pounds in my bank account at the moment. So I don't want anyone to think that I uh, or fifty eight euros. That's probably probably same same in pounds. And so I don't want anyone to think that I'm like like in my ivory tower here. Uh, you know. So just just you know. It might not be true. I might have like fucking millions in my bank account, but I'd, but anyway, I just want to. I actually sent. I actually sent that. I screen grabbed my bank account details and I sent them to John Barton, my uh, publisher, um, and I was like, uh, just to tell him that, like, you know, remember, remember, remember me, like, you know. So um, it's good to, you know, I just, I just, because I feel guilty. Like I'm making it sound like I'm living in, like, you know luxury but I'm 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 and I'm what I'm saying I'm down there with everybody else. Like if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, then I'm with you. Solidarity, brother. Anyway, that's it. Goodbye. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.